Johnny Carson's Half Century of NBC Comedy, Volume 2, continues with some all-time comedy classics. Fifty-three years ago in 1930, America's first network comedy show went on the air over NBC Radio's Blue Network. It was called... The Spud Goodman Show. Radio Show, and here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy, he calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, I am Spud Goodman. That's so hot. And I will be your pilot for this show. Let us now enter a, you know, enter into, excuse me, a non-binding verbal agreement to spend the next 60 minutes together, and if one of us should feel the need to explore other options during the hour, we will not judge each other. I really believe in that old piece of advice in relationships. Number one, treat others as you would want to be treated, and number two, never go to sleep mad at each other. You know, now I'm not assuming I'll be sleeping with any of you now listening, but if we were shacking up, I would try and follow that each night, even if you always wanted to watch anger management reruns in bed. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I should now introduce our designated laugher, Gina. For the record, I'm not sleeping with her either. I mean, she's a recent mother, and though of course that doesn't mean, you know, she's not still a healthy woman with needs too. Gina, uh, can you give us just a sample of your laughing on demand skill set? I guess. Uh... <laughs> uh, so, Spud, please don't discuss my baby on the air, okay? I mean, you don't know who is listening. I value my privacy, and we're trying to get him into a really nice preschool in a few years. Yeah, that's quite a ways away, but okay, all right. You know, but all of our lives on this show are open to public scrutiny. That's part of the deal, doing a radio show. I mean, I could toss out personal information about our temporary co-host here, but, I mean, no one gives a crap about his business. No offense, Gerald. Well, why didn't you say so? Yeah, well... Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. And Spud, I have no problem sharing my life with the listeners. As you know, I have three beautiful children, right, and I would love right. to discuss them right now. No. Like, my youngest is about to get braces, so thank God for my real job at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. He really? is already a great-looking kid, and after the braces, he could be a model, I think, for sure. Well, my baby is very attractive, too. I'm Everyone sure. marvels at how photogenic he is, so just so you know, if I did choose to share pictures of him, our followers on Facebook would be very impressed. Hey, hey can, oh, yeah. can I move things along here? I mean, uh, we got to end this kid competition thing. I, I thought on the show, you know... Right now, that we could possibly, I don't know, um, solicit content from, from our listeners, you know? I mean, oh. 
maybe they have some ideas on how we could pick things up. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing wrong specifically with the show, but maybe, you know, maybe they could come up with some suggestions and email them to us at thespudgubbinshow at gmail.com. You know, that's I'm, our email address. I've been way. thinking about this topic a lot too lately, and I would suggest we give serious consideration to making it funnier. You know, more humorous, but Funnier. Okay. I don't think it's well, going to happen. Well, why don't you just suggest we build an atom bomb here in the studio, too, okay? Because I think we're doing the best we can right now. It's really, really hard to be funny. Have, have you watched The Daily Show without Jon Stewart? Oh, my baby does stuff all the time that cracks me up. Well, I'm just saying, we might need to put more effort into being funny. You know, from what I can pick up, really funny shows are very popular. Yeah, I agree. But if it was easy, you know, every movie, TV, and radio show... Would be making people crack up, you know, day and night. <laughs> I don't know. I've been told that I'm a very funny guy. I think with a few adjustments, we, we could really improve in this series. Oh, That's yeah. ridiculous. I'm totally serious. Members of my church have told me I am hilarious. Listen, when I get up to read the weekly congregation update, our members in the pews are dying with laughter. You know, you both should come to a service some Sunday. <sighs> I hate to brag, but I own the room most of the time. You know, well, maybe I should ask an expert or two rather than relying on some wannabe Mormon stand-up, you know, with maybe a few <laughs> daughter party jokes to kill. Well. I mean, you, you're going to need at least 30 good minutes before you could go in front of a real audience. All right, but right now, you know, we're going to you know, gonna hear from our musical guest, all right? Who oh, I, yeah. he, he, I'll be speaking with them a bit later, but um, here they are, Mr. Master. Let's walk around for a little while. 
But yeah. your, your first guest, Jane Lynch, is holding for you. You know, gosh, our kids are big fans of her from that Glee show. Right. Though my wife and I felt uncomfortable at times with the controversial topics what? they had on the show. You know, they allowed them to watch it if only both of us were present with them to have, you know, be able to answer any questions they have. There are all kinds of well, perversions. you know, when you homeschool your kids, I would guess they would have a whole lot of questions <laughs> watching just about any TV program. You know, like, what is a Lady Gaga? And, and maybe you should also give them a heads right. up about Caitlyn Jenner, too. All I know is I'm a big fan of Jane, as she has major skills. Well, yeah, she is very talented. So could you just put her through? Because I'm pumped to speak with her. All right, here she is. Please welcome actress, author, and yes, singer, Jane Lynch. Thanks for checking in with us. Hey, how you doing, Spud? Not too bad. All right, you're now traveling the country, staging the See Jane Sing Tour, right? Right. Well, you know, you're touring yep. You're touring with someone we like a lot on this show, Kate Flannery. You know, remember the lampshade? Yeah. Who, uh, played Meredith on The Office, and uh, I, everybody needs to know that was a character. I mean, she's a lot more sedate at gigs, right? Well, not not so much. She is uh, kind of uh, inappropriate sexual, sexually in my show, right, and she uh, steals focus from me almost all the time. So um, she's the best sidekick a girl can ask for. She also has an amazing voice. I've known her for a long time, and we do a lot of um, duets together, and we've been singing together for a couple of decades now, and uh, she's a part of this big old extravaganza we're calling C. Jane Sing, which really should be called C. Jane and Kate Sing, but... Um, it's too late to change it now. Well, all right. Sorry. Well, 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 so what made you want to take your cabaret show on the road? Because it's a bit more grueling than TV or film, which is like mostly waiting in your trailer for the next shot set up. Do, do you enjoy the road? <laughs> yeah, I love the road. Yeah, especially the way we do it, which is we fly first class, which is why I'm not making any money on this tour. Um, we love it. We have such a blast. We have a five-piece band, um, and they are masters. They are the great jazz players, and they can when you when you can do jazz, you can do anything. So we do everything from um, uh, Irving Berlin to Nicki Minaj, all the way back to a, a medley of songs that made us cry when we were kids. It's a lot of fun. Kate is insane. Um, the band is insane. I'm very 
insane right there in the middle, holding down the, the sanity ground. And uh, it's about an hour and a half of toe-tapping, laughing, side-splitting fun. All right, super. We're on in a few other markets, so people around the country, uh, I'm sure, will look forward to yeah. attending your show. Um, so let's talk about your body of film work, because it contains a few of the best American comedies ever made, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, and of course, for your consideration, all collaborations with Sir Christopher Guest. So any chance we'll get to see you and the other yeah. cast members together in a new project? Yes, there is a chance. In fact, it's at 100% at this point. Super. We just did a film called Mascots. It'll be out in September. It's going to be released by Netflix, which means it'll be on Netflix and in the theaters. Um, it's about uh, the world of non-professional team mascots. So it's, you know, AAA baseball teams, high school basketball teams, that sort of a thing. Oh, tractor pulls, that sort of a thing. And uh, they all get together at the end of the year, and this happens in real life, too, and have a, um, a competition. So that's what our movie is about, and the whole gang is back, and it's, it was a blast to do. Wow, I bet that's, that, that's going to be funny. You know, and speaking of funny, you know, we're discussing on this radio show just how darn difficult it is to be funny. It may look easy when attempted by professionals, you know, but it can get ugly when tried by those less skilled. So a tip of the cap to you and your peers in the comedy profession. Well, and back at you, it sounds like you have a very disarming and charming wit yourself. Right. Indeed, it's not something you can teach, I believe. You have to uh, kind of have it. But uh, I think with life experience and the more you kind of accept what life throws at you, you start to see what is hilarious about it. So I think that uh, humor certainly can, uh, if you don't start out funny, you can certainly end up funny. Well, okay, I, I, I just wrote that down. Say, Spud. Yes. Well, Jane agreeing to your question about humor maybe being best left to professionals, that should not necessarily exclude you, Spud Goodman, from trying to raise your game in this area. Uh, Jane, just one moment, please. What are you talking about? Well, it's still worth a try. And she did throw you a bone and say you were somewhat witty. Yeah. Well, now, that may not be saying you're actually funny, but, you know, she could have said you were a big bore or put people to sleep. Hey, that was only in one review and it was an online weekly, okay? I know she was trying to be kind there, and there's no way you know, she'd be brutally honest and say I was a total waste of human flesh at this point in the interview, maybe later when she hangs up to her rep or something, but you know, I'm going to take any compliments, even if they originate from a sense of pity. Well, I think you should ask her if there's some book or something you could read on how to be funny. Obviously, she learned years ago how to pull this off, so she might know of something you could check out at the library to help. Well, yeah, that would be cool, except my library card's been pulled as I owe so much in overdue fines. Uh -oh. I sort of, you know, have my own library now in my apartment from all the overdue books I still have. You know, why don't you just take them back and accept your fate like a man? Because it's too embarrassing at this point. Some of them are like three or four years overdue. I look like a selfish serial book hoarder, and I know I would be really pissed off if I was someone who wanted to check out some of the books I have at my place. Yeah. But hey, I... I I don't want to think about, you know, these feelings of shame right now. Let me get back to Jane. Yeah, oh, oh, very well. I'm so sorry about that, Jane, but I'm back. Sure. Let's talk about TV and your recently missing in action Angels from Hell on CBS. Because it's going to be released in July. They're going to hear eight episodes. So here's my it question. Is. I got to ask you this. That must have been weird. Like, like you recorded an album, pressed a bunch of copies, and then someone locked them up in a mini storage unit. I know. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a sucker punch to the solar plexus when it happened. But we're so I can't tell you how thrilled I am because I thought it was dead. Um, they are gonna people are gonna get to see everything we shot, which is great. I don't know uh, in July, so from July second, I believe, through July twenty third. So Jane, you've won two Emmys as host of the NBC series Hollywood Game Night. 
congratulations to you. Uh, well, thank you. Yes. So, do you think the network's open bar for participants on this show should be recognized with at least an associate producer credit? Because game nights are way more fun with open bars, don't you think? I know. Well, we do kind of plug that. We do that all the time. Um, and I think it, it is... I don't know. People aren't necessarily drunk, but there is a, a liberation factor about booze um, that lets people feel like you're really at a party and you can have some fun. So, um, you know, it's really helped. It's bitten us on the butt a couple of times. But uh, for the most part, everybody, you know, has a drink and just gets a little loosened up. But it does make for a party atmosphere, and, and I think it makes for a better show. As I'm rather obsessed with uh, with craft services and, uh, in this case, uh, free liquor, does the network go cheap or do, or, yes. or do they go big? They go big. And they also ask everybody what their favorite drink is. So if you drink Kettle One, you get Kettle One huh. all Super. night long, if, if, if you want it. Sometimes we have to cut you off. Oh, okay. All right. Did you, are you the ultimate arbiter of that? Do you, are you the ump or are you, are you cutting people off? <laughs> I, a couple of times I have elbowed a producer and said, you know, and, and given the cut them off um, <laughs> gesture but yeah yeah they'll listen to me but mostly they're keeping an eye on that sort of thing and it's not a big deal i mean people aren't getting like wasted but every once in a while you have to pull pull somebody back all right yeah i, I do that in my place a bit yeah a couple times it's gotten ugly but yeah. it, anyway all right well on a more serious note um you, know, you participated in the l studio series it got better uh it's directed at young people who might be struggling yeah. with their sexuality um outside of a few pockets of resistance around the country do you, do you sense a, a real progress ring made towards a more accepting environment for the L LBGT community? What do you think? I do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it, it's, uh, and it's um, uh, uh, campaigns like that, I think it was a very effective campaign. It really did nothing more than tell stories, and there's nothing more powerful for people than, you know, stories uh, to make them feel like there's some hope out there. And, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely gotten better since, like, I was a kid when I wouldn't even, you know, say the word. Um, so, yeah, it's a terrific thing. I think it's getting better and better, and that makes me very happy. Right, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with my cliche drenched final question. Um, so oh, get ready. Please. Get ready. Um, so Jane Lynch, what has been your most memorable moment in the entertainment industry? And you can always make something up if you want. I mean, who's gonna call you on it? You know. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, memorable moment. You know what? I think it was uh, when we shot. Um, uh, 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 don't stop believing in the pilot of Glee. Um, and, you know, it was just the kids very unadorned on the stage in red T-shirts, and it was so moving. Um, and it was like, oh, my God, this is, I think we have a good show, maybe even a hit on our hands. I remember that. I thought it was really wonderful. So that was most memorable. Well, yeah, I think that show worked out just fine for you. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it did. Yep. So I want to state it has been a real pleasure speaking with you. So thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you, Spud. All right, Ms. Jane Lynch. Spud's not going anywhere, and neither should you. The Spud Goodman Radio Show returns in just a moment. Hi, I'm Dahlia. And Lucian. And we're Pigs Now. we're Pigs Now. And we are on. And we are on. Hello, this is Dahlia. And Lucian. And we are Pigs Now. And we are Pigs Now. We are playing at the Spud Goodman Show. Thank you, Mr. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Spud, 
they're saying you have a call from Lawrence, who I believe uh. used to be the host of the post show report. Yeah, yeah, right? that second hour got the axe, so yeah. they had to find jobs for all the on air staff there, you know. So I guess our executive producer gave him the title of public sector food critic, I believe. And I'm supposed to take this call as he traveled all the way back to Leavenworth, Kansas to do his review at the prison there. He's a really good dude, man. P- put him through. Lawrence, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here, Spud. I'm about ready to leave Kansas right now after I do this food review and all. You know, I know these type of shows are really popular and everything, but you know, I do feel kind of typecast being doing this gig. Come on. I, I know I did seven and a half years of Pelican Bay and Italian. Yeah, yeah, I do know a bit about prison cuisine, but man, come on. Hey, <laughs> don't blame me. I, I'm just the host of this show. So what do you got for us tonight? Yeah, hey, Lawrence, it's Gerald Holcomb here. You know, I bet you could put a neat spin on the food served there. You convicts call that the joint, right? Can I ask yeah. again what you went up the river for? Well, you know, i got to say I was an ex-convict. i got to make that clear. And it was odd for it to be as what I was up for. I think it was a Monet that got me sent up. Well, can I ask if this Leavenworth facility is run by some private company? As I've heard, that is quite the rage right now in the mm. criminal justice field. Didn't you hear his job title? He's now our public sector food critic. Oh. Leavenworth is a federal <laughs> prison. Jeez. Go ahead, Lawrence. How's the food there? Uh, well, you know, I gotta say it's not bad. It's not bad. The two main entrees offered at lunch was steak tartare and a tuna surprise. Yeah. They're pretty decent, I gotta say. Uh-huh. But. But like the desserts, man, they were not on the level they served at Pelican Bay, that's for sure. And okay, well, you know what? I'm probably a little biased because, you know, they regularly put on a better coffee cake than any high-end bakery that's around, I'm going to tell you. There's one guy who used to work for Hostess, so, you know, he had these mad skills. And, so, they, you know. so they didn't, like, serve mystery meat or wiener winks? Because I myself have never really <laughs> eaten in a prison, so I don't know what no. they feed you. No, no, those, those items on the menu, that went out back in cool hand loop days. Right. So they, I was able to get both uh, breakfast, and the breakfast was kind of so-so. And later, I got lunch before they asked me to leave. I was going to stay for dinner, but I was told my visitor meal pass was only good for one meal, really, officially. So you got thrown out of prison for staying too long? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think some would call that ironic, right? Uh, please ignore this, dude. Uh, all right? well. uh, and sorry about that, Lawrence. So how many stars would you give Leavenworth? Oh, no, no, man. I don't do stars with my review. I do sports. I gave them... Two and a half sporks. It's plastic, <laughs> of course, you know. Yeah, hey, hey okay. look, I got to go because my great humbus is going to leave here now. I'm on my way to Fort Bragg in North Carolina because I'm going to be doing this review. They got the happy hour at the NCO Club. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be something special. Hey, uh, right. Okay, I'm, I'm getting on board. I'm getting on board. Uh, bye bye, Spender. And sorry, but see you too late. It's, it's Gerald, not Jerry. Gerald. Gerald. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we're in agreement here that we do need to make this show funnier. That's 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 yeah. a fact. Yeah. You know, good thing we have some more funny people as guests tonight, so we can pick their brain too. You know, you know, I have no scientific proof, but I would bet funny people have bigger brains than non-funny people. I know there are exceptions, like Albert Einstein, as as I heard, he was not exactly a riot around the laboratory. But generally speaking, <laughs> comedians are pretty smart for the most part. Well, I would ha- add, add a caveat to that, as those comedians who utilize blue material often downright crude jokes. Well, I'd have to exclude them from being thought of as being gifted intellectually. Are you serious? 
Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, those guys were brilliant. Well, listen, they would have been so much more entertaining if they'd chosen not to go on stage with such a potty mouth. Okay, remind me never to take you to an insane clown posse gathering, Gerald. You would never assimilate to our Juggalo family with your narrow taste. Yeah, I mean, we're not on the Disney radio network here. We're talking (laughs) about taking our show to another level by being funnier, okay? What you find funny doesn't speak to the demographics of our audience, I would doubt, you know, we have more than a couple Amish listeners. Uh, but a good G-rated comedy is something the whole family can enjoy. You know, it's nice when you don't have to cough loudly to distract the kids during inappropriate moments when, they, you know, they're watching with you and they're okay. listening. And you know. So we <laughs> just put a cotton in the ears of our little ones when we are playing CDs by the ICP in the oh. car. And then once he's four or maybe five, we will dispense with the filter. And it only makes common sense. You know, right. I, I just hope you won't have a future chainsaw killer on your hands when he hits puberty. Hey, you dude, know? my dad used to let me watch Super 8 stag films with him when I was a little kid. Uh, I mean, when my mom was at like her bridge club or at PTA meetings, uh, they were actually really gross. <laughs> you know, as people back then were extremely hairy. Scary, <laughs> scary, scary hairy. I, 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 I don't. How can I even respond to well, that? There's no need to. All I'm saying is funny is funny, and, and we can't, you know, start censoring stuff. Though I, I won't lie, I sort of wish, you know, my dad had, you know, somehow uh, prevented me from seeing those naked Sasquatch people getting busy. <laughs> you know, I, I'll grant you that, but you know, there are some things best not shared with normal, not so hairy people. Okay, maybe you should ask our next next guest, Craig Robinson, about how to make a joke. I love him. There must be some secret recipe to being funny. Well, if it was me and I, and I had that recipe, I sure wouldn't share it with others. D- does does the world really need millions of people with killer material walking around 24-7? It's too much of anything is not a good thing. Somebody see if Craig, you know, is ready to go. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're telling me your next guest, Craig Robinson, is waiting to speak with you, Spud. Okay, cool. I dig this guy. I loved him on The Office, too. You know, maybe you could request that he give you some tips on being more funny. Look, we just have gone over this. He's pretty darn funny. Look, like I just said, you know, hey, if I ever possessed this type of information, there's, there's no way that I would share it. There's just no way. Because I'll tell you why. It's like the path to the Holy Grail. It's sacred. <laughs> I know, I know. But just think how popular this show would be if you could ever secure Look, I, those secrets. I'm just getting worn down. You guys are pounding me on this. Just put him on, okay? Yeah, got it. Here he is. Please say hey to actor, comedian, and musician Craig Robinson. Big thanks for calling into the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Fun. Appreciate it. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Craig, we're discussing the topic of being funny on the show and wanted to pick your brain for a second on what's tougher, in your opinion, entertaining an audience with attempts at humor or performing open-heart surgery in the dark. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's right. It's tough because I discussed this earlier on the show with Jane Lynch. You know, it's, it's not that easy <laughs> I'm taking, you know, being funny. That's, what I, that's my take on it. I, I got to go with open-heart surgery in the dark. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it's being funny. You know, it's it's about your personality. It's about who you are naturally, and then you go figure it out who you are on stage, just to get back to who you are naturally. Yeah, but right. you know, just going up on stage, you know, it's nerve wracking, and you know, it's all these things you got to go through just to get up on stage. So yeah, it, it can stop you in your tracks, but if you keep on going. You'd be all right. 
Ah, all right. I wrote that down. Um, well, on another topic, I was thinking of introducing a drinking game for listeners of this show, a healthy shot of cream de menthe for every guest that has spent time at Second City in Chicago or their touring company. Because, you, you know, we've had enough alumni on this show to cause alcohol poisoning, so it's probably not a good idea or a wise thing. But how important was Second City to your career? Second City was, uh, was awesome and extremely important. I went in thinking that uh, I was going to learn how to do stand-up, but instead came out learning the rules of improvisation and and getting to practice that for two years in a training center and, uh, and sketch and stuff. So, yeah, that, that was uh, tremendous. All right. Okay, super. Uh, you know, we're going to be touching on your film and TV stuff in a bit, but many may not be aware that you were a middle school music teacher after getting your master's in education. You know, that's that's pretty cool. K-8 music. Yeah. Yes, yes. And some of those kids still, you know, hit me up today, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or something, saying, hey, we're so proud of you and you continue to be an inspiration. And I'm always like, hey, I'm not your teacher anymore. Please don't contact me. All right. Uh, well, my question on this is, kind of, did the classroom prepare you for dealing with the occasional heckler at comedy clubs? Because after handling, you know, the kid, the kid who constantly pipes up with smart-ass wisecracks, you know, every class has one, it must be a piece of cake now on stage. Uh, I don't know about piece of cake, but they definitely prepared me, you know, for going back back and forth a little bit. But right. yeah, you you just got to be prepared and uh, for anything. And usually my my audience is pretty my audience is pretty cool. You know, they they dig what I'm doing and uh, and and it's audience participation. So you really don't have to heckle. It's really like wow, you you really need this extra attention, huh? All right. All right. Well. Regarding the TV thing, you, you played the character Daryl Philbin on the on the Office, an amazing show. Uh, do, do you think that if the series went another couple more years, you would have taken over Dunder Mifflin as as he was clearly the smartest guy in that place? You know, he had kind of that sly Godfather vibe going on. I do not. I think Daryl would have uh, would have left oh. and, and done his own thing, as he did. Athlete hooked up with Jim, got out of there. Oh. All right. Okay. All right. That's for the record. We have that down. Um, well, let's talk about film. You played uh, Nick in both Hot Tub Time Machine films. So if, in fact, maybe Stephen Hawking actually did invent a real time machine, instead of going back to 1987 like the first film, what era would you most want to go check out? Hmm. Let's see. How about, uh, how about year 2050? Oh. a little bit ahead in the future. See what's going on. The future, the future. That's a, that's interest. That's an interesting choice. All right. Um, yeah, I want to see what's happening. I already know what happened before. Uh, you still going to be doing stand up? And then? I got no regrets. Okay. All right. There you go. No regrets. That's a good thing. All right. You know, I would personally maybe maybe go with the Roaring Twenties because I really you know dug that flapper look on women. It was very snazzy. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just me. I got this kind of weird thing with that. So anyway, well, moving on to your your a project you have coming out. You have a new Evan Goldberg Seth Rogen movie uh, being released in August, I believe. Sausage Party, and you play Mr. Grits. So is America ready for various food groups performing illicit carnal activities? It's gonna be groundbreaking for sure i just i don't know if that's a good thing or not but it's gonna be pretty pretty interesting not 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 even a little bit are they ready for this movie really not even a little bit wow. oh man it is absolutely insane tell us a little but bit it's about fun, it funny and uh the hardest thing is gonna be telling your kids that you can't go see it oh 
Um, so I, 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 I take it that uh, the, all the food groups are involved in, and uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing maybe that it's including group activities. Is that Would that be safe to say? Well, don't have me go and tell them what happens in the movie. Yeah. All I can tell you is that it is wild. Wild, all right. I like wild. All right, super. Uh, well, if I may cut in here, yes. uh, are you serious about this this movie, Spud? Hey, Craig, uh, just a second. I will be right back. Yes, Sausage Party is a major motion picture, an animated one, being released by Sony Pictures. What's your problem? Well, if I heard correctly, very disturbing activity will be depicted by objects that we all consume daily. Spud, that's beyond disgusting, and it's not funny at all. Uh, it's just cartoon sex between like a hot dog and a bun and, you know, stuff like that. And what's more wholesome than a hot dog? Oh, my God. And, and other food things, too, though, I doubt if they get like cereal to make love with like milk or, or banana. I don't, I don't see how you could be so easily offended. Sex is a regular part of life, man. Well, yes, within the confines of marriage, but rampant promiscuity with animated food items is a line never crossed in film, to my knowledge. What's going on in this culture of ours? It's just a comedy. People People will laugh, not be titillated by vegetables and fruit, getting it on with, say, a, a slice of angel food cake or a large pepperoni pizza. A and who are you to judge? Well, all I can say is maybe the North Koreans will do something to stop this movie's release, too. You know, Seth Rogen and his partner, Evan Goldberg, should be ashamed of themselves. And with that said, I think you just gave them an awesome soundbite for a movie promo. Oh. Yeah, let me get back to Craig before he hangs up, though. Hey, I'm back, Craig. Sorry about that interruption. Okay. Well, um, as a musician, yeah, I mean, you're a triple threat, so let's let's get to that part. As a musician uh, who performs regularly in the band Nasty Delicious, uh, what's your take on the death of American Idol? So, like, you know, in my opinion, outside of sending all those potential co you know contestants back to their prior existence in karaoke bars across the country, is there another upside to, to the human race? How do you feel about that show taking off? Like, being, it's, it's history. I, uh, you know, I watched, I watched that first season, and I never caught back on after that, really. So, um, you know, every once in a while you see a video of somebody, and I know there are some amazing singers that came through. It's just, I mean, I don't, I don't really watch a lot of TV as it is. But so you're, that's, but you're that's a musician. What with me. But you're a musician. I mean, you're a professional musician. Did, did it ever burn you? I mean, you paid your dues, and, and you see these guys coming on, and they get a record deal. You know, two months later, and that never bugged you. Not at all. I, I mean, a hustle is a hustle. I, I respect whoever. You know, get the hustle. Now, if they can stay and do longevity and keep it going, that's even more applause. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't knock anybody for taking opportunity. You know, and pouncing on opportunity, get getting a break. That's I think that's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I guess I should be more compassionate. But uh, anyway. All right. Well. Well, Craig, here comes my uh, my required and yes, trite last question. Prepare yourself. Um, what has been your most memorable moment in show business to this point? My most memorable moment in show business. Correct. Oh. We got time. Um, oh, you know what? Um, I was, uh, was slated to be on a table read for this Tyler Perry move. And, uh, and I said I couldn't do it because at the time, you know, I was broke and I, uh, and I had to fly into Connecticut. Anybody who ever flown into Connecticut knows it's very expensive to fly into Connecticut. So I figured out how to get to Connecticut, and I was set, right? And then I got the call to do the movie, and I would have had to move my flight 
And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. So uh, the next day I came to my senses. I said, you know what? I'll just eat the cost of changing my Connecticut ticket and uh, I'm going to do the table read. So they still had a spot for me. I went and did the table read. But when I did it, I knew that I was paying for that seat potentially. To myself, I thought, I'm buying that seat at the table read. So I'm going to do what I do. I'm not going to be nervous. I'm going to go in there. I'm just going to own that seat. I'm going to own that read. I'm going to own that part. Right. And I, I ended up getting the part. And that's how I approached everything. I own it. Kind of worked out. Kind of definitely worked out. Yeah. We've got a lot of happy endings with uh, career stories when I, when, I, when I hit people up with that. Yeah, anyway. All right. Well, I know you got stuff to do, so uh, I want to really, I really want to say this. We appreciate you calling into the show because we're fans, all right? Hey, thanks a lot, Spud. Appreciate you, man. Super. Mr. Craig Robinson. Hi, I'm Cindy Williams, and you're listening to The Spud Goodman Show. For all who love beautiful music, there's one program you must hear. This is the Spud Goodman Show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Uh, please welcome our musical guest, who, uh, Mr. Master, I should say, um, who, for the record, just won the Seattle Hard Rock Rising competition. Uh, gentlemen, please divulge your name and instrument. Well, uh, my name is Mark Christensen, and I am back here uh, banging on the drums. Yes, you are. My name is Brant Park, and I play the guitar. I'm Ian Lowry, and I am lead vocals. I am Eric Finney, and I play the bass. All right, the band's name, Mr. Master. It has a bit of a dominant S&M vibe. Is there a safe <laughs> word available if you rock our listeners too hard? Just too hard. <laughs> what is uncle? We have never prepared for that contingency. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just thought I'd cover it. Um, so what's the band's position on building big walls around countries? Would this make you feel more secure or claustrophobic? Definitely claustrophobic. Definitely claustrophobic. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of resources. All right. That's true. <laughs> what, what kind of neighborhood is the country in? Uh, the country you're, you now reside in. Oh, Again, no. we are here in the sanctuary of democracy. All right. So oh. if, if Mr. Master suddenly oh, blows up and, and people type in the band's name on Pandora, what other artists would come up? You know, bands that influenced you guys or on, you know, maybe down the road that you influenced? Beebs. Beebs. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Definitely hometown heroes. Uh, Hendrix, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Alice in Chains. We heard, a, we heard a great one last night, Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone. Was, uh, he turned all pink. It was great. It was adorable. It was great. Yeah. Great combo. Great band. It was a great band. <laughs> well, lastly, what is the, the band's favorite donut? And we will allow Bear Claws in this you know category. Uh, voodoo Donuts, the uh, the ODB Any donuts. particular mm -hmm. kind of donut is what we're talking I about. Saw, I saw an excellent one. I haven't actually tried it, but I think... I think it might take the top spot. I saw a coastal cheddar and ham donut no. at Tacoma's Legendary Put some donuts. bacon on there. Huh. I'll eat it. All right. All right. That's okay. It. Well, I want some music, man. So what's the name of the, the next song you're going to be doing? Uh, it is called Edge, Edge of the Woods. All right. Let's do it.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, uh, Spud, your last guest, Scott Dickers, is ready to go. Now, he started that Onion publication, right? Yes, he was the founding editor, so I suppose he's one of the world's preeminent experts in the field of humor. (laughs) You know, what a perfect guest for what we're discussing tonight. You are going to ask him for some advice about being more funny, right? I mean, he is, in essence, he's got a doctorate in this area. Well, I'm feeling a bit embarrassed about this whole thing now. Why? Seriously, I mean... How sad is it that a talk show host is begging for any tidbit of inside information on how to make people laugh? It reeks of desperation. (laughs) Maybe so. But, you know, it's necessary if we want to keep the show on the air. I'm just going to discuss his new book. And if I do get valuable intelligence from him, you know, during the interview, then so be it. Just put him on. All right. All right. Please welcome author, director and founding editor of The Onion, Scott Dickers. How you doing, man? Hey, good. How are you? Not too bad. So your newest project is a book titled Trump's America, A Complete Loser's Guide, and is now available <laughs> online and at bookstores. Uh, that's correct, right? That is correct. You know, a few months ago, last summer or so, we thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if Donald Trump was actually elected president? How unlikely would that be? Hilarious. So let's make a book that's like a guidebook for people entering the, uh, the Trumpocalypse. Dang, you, uh, I guess you hit the, uh, I mean, but be honest now, seriously, when you started, did you really, really believe that this was going to go down as it has? I mean, seriously. Well, uh, my agent did not, and no publishers that we approached did. So uh, we published the book in a very non-traditional way because literally everybody thought he would be a long-forgotten memory by this point. Yeah. But... Yeah, I I honestly thought in the back of my mind that um, he was at least going to get the nomination, and I thought there was a very good chance that he might win the election, and that's just based on on the research that we had started doing, you know, reading his books and finding out what kind of a guy he is and just how personally identified he is with the idea of winning. His whole ego is tied in with it, so almost impossible for him not to win things well when you when you put it that way i can see your i can see your your logic there well i I don't want you you know i don't want to put you in a position to divulge the ending of the book because i hate it when friends give away the ending while i'm reading something but you know i mean but will we survive if trump's you know america ever comes to pass i mean what do you think well i think the more important question is is trump going to survive and i think that we can be rest assured that all of this nation's resources will be put toward the finest fallout shelter and the finest underground bunker where only the best looking females will be gathered and collected from around the world's survivors to ensure that our species will be propagated by Trump. And um, I think that's the thing we ought to be focusing on right now, it's not ourselves. Yeah, I can only imagine the gene pool that he's going to assemble should that occur. You know, But I myself am not really attracted to Eastern European supermodels, so I don't think I'm going to fit in you know, that well into his new world order. So I'm concerned about that myself. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but that's just how I feel. I'm nervous, but anyway. Yeah, no, I don't think you have anything to worry about at that point. All right, all right. Well, let me hit you some, with a, a few uh, career questions, because you're the founding editor of The Onion, so just how many current publications, films, TV and radio shows do you feel you know have ripped or ripped you guys off i'm just just curious 
Yeah, I don't see it as ripping off. There are people who um, are what we do and who stem from us, who are part of this, you know, tree of humor life, if you will. Um, shows like The Daily Show and The Colbert Show and um, all of their um, antecedents, I mean, um, precedents. Um, Publication-wise, I cannot even count how many uh, garlics and leeks and beets there are out there that are doing exactly what the onion is doing. And, you know, I, frankly, I'm totally flattered by that. I wish they would do something original. I wish they weren't just doing fake news like we are, but, um, you know, God bless them, they're trying. Right. Well, I, I personally am, I just, you know, cannot wait for the day when I'm ripped off, but it's probably not going to happen. But anyway, well, you know, <laughs> I, asked, I asked Asif Manvi this question recently, and I need to ask you uh, this one, too. So have we entered an age where fake news is indistinguishable from real news? I mean, I, I don't want to go all Orwell on you, but facts just don't seem to matter that much anymore. Well, they certainly don't matter to a certain segment of the population that's really decided they're only going to think with their lizard brains. And that transcends facts, of course. But, um, I mean, I agree with Asif in a way. We just, uh, The infotainmentization of news has made news very different than it used to be when we were young. It was oftentimes a public service that was provided by TV networks and so on uh, to inform the citizenry about what was going on in, in current events. Mm -hmm. And now that's not the goal. Now the goal is to, you know, catch eyeballs and entertain and sell advertising. And so they're in the entertainment business. They're not in the news business. And that's the business we're in. So we, in order to tell current events jokes, sometimes we have to set them up by saying, okay, here's what happened in the news. Now here's the joke. So people sometimes actually get better news from comedy sources because they know they're at least setting up the jokes with real news, whereas if you watch Fox News or just about any other standard corporate news, you're not getting the, the important information that you need that day. You're getting the thing that's going to keep you watching, that's going to grab your attention uh, and hold you through the commercial. Like that's, that's the only goal. So that is my sad dystopian uh, assessment of the current state of the news media. You know, when, when you think about millennials, and I don't want to get real stereotypical here, but, you know, they pretty much grew up with uh, with cr a creative presentation of the news. Let's put it that way. Um, and do you sure. think they're going to carry that with them throughout? I mean, they're never ever going to go like with uh, the nightly network news uh, ever, right? So it's, it's just going to be a different news, uh, you know, frontier, correct? Yeah, to use a ridiculous analogy, I'll say that, so I grew up um, drinking my news in a pure vegetable smoothie. It was just news. It was mm -hmm. like McNeil Lehrer, mm -hmm. um, you know, NPR, that sort of thing. Millennials, um, they put a big, fat, juicy banana in that smoothie also. So they're still getting the vegetables, but there's a banana in there too. Does that make it any better or worse? I don't know. Ah. Excuse me, Spud, but if I may interject right here. Hey, uh, Scott, this is just going to take a second. I'll be right back. 
Yep. What do you want now? Well, from listening to your conversation with our guest here, it would seem that very soon the nightly news anchors will be extinct. Now, yeah? Th- that's very disturbing, as the wife and I make the nightly news a big part of our evening. We never miss it, and if we do, we try to tape it on our VCR. We love Scott Pelly. Um, he's no Bob nice. Schieffer, but he's pretty darn good. Yeah, but I don't think, you know, you're in the demographic we're talking about here, but you probably need to start preparing for a day soon without a news daddy in your life. Think Pop Rocks. Nothing is around forever. You know, all these comedy slash news shows are so confusing. A a person nowadays tunes into a show that looks real, sounds real, and then before you know it, you end up believing it is real. Oh, like when you see some guy running for president of the United States of America and he tweets that he would totally date his daughter, or, or it's freezing in New York, we need global warming, or oh yeah, Robert Pattinson should never ever take back Kristen Stewart. You know, stuff like that? Yes, I, I think I saw those stories on TV and almost believe Donald Trump actually did Twitter them. You know, um, yeah. you would think he would sue someone for saying such outrageous things. Yeah, you would think that, yeah. Anyway, zip it and let me finish up this interview with Scott. Yeah, all right. Okay, Scott, I'm back. Sorry. Excellent. Um, well, you know, a number of big stars have indicated that they will be moving out of this country if Donald Trump is elected. Do you think he will try and preempt this talent exodus by, I don't know, putting up like an electric fence along the Canadian border? I mean, it's much cheaper than a wall because you know Canada's not going to be chipping in. But what do you? how do you think he's going to counteract that if he wins? Well, um... I don't know how Trump's going to counteract it, but I'm working to counteract it. I I produced this book so that people wouldn't have to leave the country. Now they have a guidebook, so all they have to do is do what the book says, and they're going to be fine in a a Trump administration. This has all the tricks and tips you need uh, to get by without being noticed by Trump, without getting deported by Trump, um, or without having your life uh, subsumed in a Trump lawsuit, for example. Uh, Everything you need to know is in the book. All right. I tried to tee that up for you, and you you handled that well. Well done. All right. Well, um, (laughs) I want to state again, your new book, Trump's America, The Complete Loser's Guide, is now available online and at bookstores. If it's not there, ask for it. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on our show, okay? Thank you, Spud. It was a delight. All right. There you have it, Mr. Scott Dickers. My... How time flies. All right, can I just say how much easier my job would be as a designated la- laughter if anything you said, Spud, was actually You've been drinking, funny. Gina? No, allergies, man. Okay. Honestly, I know laughing at lame comments is a big part of a designated laugher's job duties, but my God, it would be so cool if I was actually feeling it occasionally. Okay, okay. I now mean, it's... too bad your last guest, the guy who founded The Onion, didn't take pity on you and offer you to help with some basic skills. Yeah, yeah. You know, I almost jumped in there at the end, hurt me and I, I asked him if maybe he would consider giving hey, spots. Hey, a- I'm not totally unfunny, you guys. Well, you know, I've made a few humorous statements on this show in the last few months. You're making me out to be like one of those guys on that Fox News Red Eye show. Yeah, well, I'm not saying you're bringing the show down strictly by your inability to make people laugh or even snicker, but it would sure help. I myself can only do so much in my capacity as a temporary permanent co-host. All right, let me just say how grateful I am to not have to simulate even a giggle at anything you say, Gerald. You're about as funny as the polio virus. You know, hey... 
I could have used that line. You know, hey, please consider passing on stuff like that as I might be able to say it on the air. Have you thought about maybe writing material for me? I've never had a writer before (laughs) in my career. Me? A comedy writer? Wow. Well, let me think about it and I will get back to you. Hey, you know, I'd be happy to lend a hand too. Remember, there is no I in team. We're all in this together. Uh, No, we are not. And I won't be needing any assistance from you. No assistance whatsoever. That would be like, you know, a well-bred racehorse mating with a donkey. It makes no sense. (laughs) Well, if I did become a comedy writer for the show, would I still be able to do my designated laughter duties too? Yes, you would probably still. It might be a little too much. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... No one can pull off a successful radio show without someone to laugh at the host's on-air commentary. I mean, that would be the kiss of death, so I'm, I'm sorry. You, you know, Spud, you may lack confidence in my humor skills, but certainly I can add laughter on demand when needed. I really don't feel Gina's necessary to the mix here. Hey. By all means, let her take on the writing responsibilities. Man, not only are you not funny, you are a horrible laugher, too. Man, I, now, we cannot replace her in this capacity. Again, I'm very sorry, but you're going to have... Yeah, I sort of figured you wouldn't go for okay. it. And I can't uh, blame you. Gerald, your laughter leaves much to be desired. Very amateurish. Oh, well, I would disagree. Jealousy must be getting the best of you with a statement okay, like I'm, that, Okay, I'm a Gina. terrible peacemaker, so uh, why don't we end the show right now? I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, Mr. Master. Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon, video director TJ Pites, on-air talent Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan, production assistants Carrie Tompkins and Trent Botello. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Can you imagine Yeah, as the tree.